Welcome to Awake, the bugle call, Reveille. It's the U.S. Army's call to wake up, get ready to face the day, and to prepare for battle. God's clarion call is in Ephesians 5.14. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. This call is to Christians who are spiritually asleep and therefore resemble the spiritually dead. The call is to wake up and receive light or revelation from God. The purpose and goal of Awake is to equip you to be an overcomer in the last days, the time immediately prior to the return of Jesus for his church. Ephesians 6, 16-17 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now here is Bill Backaby with a faith lesson for you from the Word of God. Welcome to Awake. I'm Bill Backaby. In the last episode, I talked to you about being empowered by God to do His works in the earth. Today, my desire and goal is to introduce you to the source of that empowerment, the Holy Spirit. We're going to start by looking at Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. We met the Trinity back in Awake 001. We found God the Father in verse 1, the Holy Spirit in verse 2, and God's Son, the Word, in verse 3. We learn that God, the Father, is the chairman of the board, so to speak, who establishes the policy. The Word is the chief executive officer who gives the directions, and the Holy Spirit is the chief operating officer, the one who gets the will of the Father done. The Holy Spirit is the power or force behind the miracles, signs, and wonders of God. So today we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Let's start with a quick review of some scriptures from the last episode, Empowered. The book of Luke ends with an admonition from Jesus to his disciples. Luke 24, verse 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. That admonition is continued in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 5, verses 1 and 8. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Jesus told the disciples to wait a few days, actually it turned out to be ten days, until the day of Pentecost. 
God does significant things on Jewish feast days. Jesus was crucified. He was the lamb slain on the feast of Passover. He was raised from the grave on the feast of first fruits. He was the firstborn from spiritual death. And the Holy Spirit was given or poured out on the feast of Pentecost. Something is very significant here. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15:6 that more than 500 persons saw Jesus ascend from the Mount of Olives but only about 120 disciples were present in the upper room, Acts 1.15, on the day of Pentecost. What's the significance? Less than a quarter of those who saw Jesus ascend into heaven were hungry enough to wait or to tarry, using the biblical word, for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, which was 10 days after the ascension. What's the significance? Spiritual hunger, a desire for more of God, is one of the requirements for receiving the power from on high, for receiving the Holy Spirit with power. Let's talk about the day of Pentecost. Acts 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The next few verses, 5 to 11, tell us that there were men and women of 15 different ethnicities in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost who heard the disciples praising God and declaring his works in their native languages. Even more amazing than this is the change that happened to the disciple Simon Peter. Let's look at what Peter said to some of the disciples before the day of ascension. John 21 verses 2 to 3. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedees, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, We are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Actually, the Greek language implies that Peter said, I'm giving up this ministry stuff, and I'm going back to my career as a professional fisherman. Peter was saying, I'm done with the things of Jesus and his ministry. Something else happened to Peter. At Pentecost, he was transformed from a so-so believer into a powerful apostle who preached the first sermon preached by a Christian and who got 3,000 people saved and baptized. This is recorded at the beginning in Acts 2.41. Later on, Peter ministered healing to a cripple at the beautiful gate to the temple, Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 9. Then in Acts chapter 9, verses 36 to 42, Peter raised a woman, Tabitha, from the dead. What happened to Peter? The Holy Spirit happened to him. 
Peter in his powerful sermon quoted the prophet Joel. Joel chapter 2 verses 28 to 32. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. This outpouring of power wasn't just for Peter and the rest of the eleven apostles. It was and is for all flesh. Later on in the book of Acts, we find Stephen a deacon preaching a powerful sermon to the religious leaders in Jerusalem and having a spiritual vision of God the Father and Jesus standing to welcome him into heaven. This is recorded in Acts chapter 7. Then we find another deacon, Philip, going to Samaria, preaching, casting out demons, and healing people. Then he has a supernatural encounter with the high Ethiopian governmental official, getting that official saved, and then being supernaturally transported several miles away by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is Acts chapter 8. Finally, we find an enemy of the church, Saul, later to become the Apostle Paul, having a supernatural encounter with Jesus, being saved, healed of blindness, empowered by the Holy Spirit to preach, teach, heal, raise from the dead, visit heaven, and write 13, or 14 if you count the book of Hebrews, books of the New Testament. Actually, most of the book of Acts, chapter 9 and chapters 13 to 28, is about Paul and his ministry. What happened to all these people? The Holy Spirit came upon them, anointing them with supernatural power. Would you like that power? Would you like to be used of God supernaturally? It's available. God wants you to have it. All you have to do is ask and yield to the Holy Spirit. Why? You need this power from the Holy Spirit. The evening before he was crucified, Jesus shared the Passover meal with his disciples, and during that time period, he gave his valedictory address, many refer to it as the Olivet Discourse, and shared many new concepts with his disciples. One of the most important things he shared with them was the role of the Holy Spirit would play in their lives. John 14, verses 16 to 17. And I will pray the Father, and he will send you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Check. Let's go back and start again with John 14, 16. John 14, 16, and 17. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. 
the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you he said he would pray and the father would send the holy spirit who would stay with them throughout their lives not just three and a half years as jesus did he called him the helper the greek word is paraclete which means one who comes along to bear the burden of the task with you let me illustrate suppose you want to move a sofa from the first floor of a house to the second floor by taking the sofa up a stairwell this would be very difficult to do alone but if you had a very strong helper on the other end of the sofa it would be relatively easy actually it'd be a snap this is the job of the holy spirit in the spiritual realm to come alongside and help you many people are not even aware that there is a spiritual realm but there is one jesus called satan the ruler of the spiritual realm on earth john 14:30 i will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me jesus said satan is the ruler of the world the word is cosmos in the greek cosmos means the world systems political moral financial educational legal etc satan is bigger stronger smarter faster than you and i are as mortal human beings but satan is much less powerful than god the father god the son jesus or god the holy spirit jesus offers us the holy spirit to contend along with us against satan and the world systems jesus tells us more about what the holy spirit will do for us john 14:26 but the helper the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that i said to you the holy spirit not only helps to recall scripture in the time of need but he gives us revelation knowledge of what the scripture actually says and means john 16:7 nevertheless i tell you the truth it is to your advantage that i go away for if i go not away the helper will not come to you but if i depart i will send him to you john 16 verses 13 to 15 however when he the spirit of truth has come he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will tell you things to come he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you all things that the father has are mine therefore i said that he will take of mine and declare it to you let me give you an illustration to live the Christian life without the fullness of the Holy Spirit is like going into a fierce battle as a soldier with a rifle but without any bullets or ammunition for your gun. You may be able to fight, but you would be greatly handicapped. God doesn't want you in a fair fight. He wants you to have an overwhelming advantage. God wants you to be able to kick the snot out of the devil. So how do I receive the Holy Spirit with power? 
Hopefully I have you anticipating the power of the Holy Spirit with great eagerness and spiritual hunger. There are three requirements for receiving the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 16 to 17. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You must be born again. Jesus said the world, that is, those who are not born again cannot receive the Holy Spirit. I know that there is a Bible example of persons being born again and filled with the Holy Spirit all at one time, but the usual scriptural experience is two encounters with the Holy Spirit. Even in the case of Jesus himself, his mother Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit when he was baptized by John the Baptist. Two separate events, 30 years apart. John 7, 37 to 39. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. The second requirement is that you must be thirsty or hungry for more of God. Remember that there were more than 500 persons who witnessed Jesus' ascension into heaven from the Mount of Olives, but there were only 120 persons in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Why? Only 120 were hungry enough to follow Jesus' instruction and carry or wait for the spiritual outpouring. You too must have this spiritual hunger or thirst. The good news is that you don't have to tarry. The Holy Spirit has already been poured out and is immediately accessible to those who are born again, thirsty, and meet the third requirement. Luke 11 9 to 13. So I say to you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In this passage, Jesus says that he or she who asks will receive. And that if you ask for the Holy Spirit, that is exactly what God the Father will give you. To recap, the requirements to receive the Holy Spirit are to be born again, to be thirsty or hungry for more of God, and finally to ask. Let's discuss the process. 
understand right now that receiving the power of the Holy Spirit comes with and is manifested by speaking with tongues. You might ask, but isn't speaking in tongues controversial? Absolutely. The devil has made it controversial because he, the devil, doesn't want you to have spiritual power. One person asked a well-known preacher, but can't I receive the Holy Spirit without the tongues? The preacher replied, that would be like an elephant without a trunk. You see, the elephant needs the trunk to get the food past his tusks and into his mouth. Without a trunk, the elephant would starve without physical nourishment. Similarly, a Christian without tongues is starving spiritually. There are five instances in the book of Acts of people receiving the Holy Spirit. In three instances, the Bible clearly states that they spoke with other tongues. In the other two cases, there is a very strong implication that they spoke with other tongues. Before we ask for the gift of the Spirit, let's review one more thing. Acts 2.4 and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That scripture verse is composed of two independent clauses. The first clause, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. That is a complete sentence in and by itself. The second clause is, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let's focus on the first clause, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Who spoke? They. The people spoke. The Holy Spirit did not do the speaking. He simply filled them. They spoke. They pushed their breath through their vocal cords. They moved their tongues and their lips. Simply, they spoke. If you wait for the Holy Spirit to do the speaking, it's possible you'll still be waiting when it's time for the Lord to take you home. The Holy Spirit's job is to give you the utterance or the words to speak. He will speak the words to your spirit. Your part is to listen to your spirit your spirit resides in your belly area, and speak out what you hear down there. A word of caution. It won't sound like English or Spanish or any other normal spoken language except in very unusual circumstances. Here's what God says about speaking in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14.2 for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him, albeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. God says tongues are not to communicate with men, but with him, God. It's a spiritual code language from your spirit to God. God understands and communicates with your spirit. The good news is that Satan can't understand it, or interfere with your communication with God. Are you ready? Here we go. Pray this with me. Father God, I come before you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. 
I believe he's your son and that he died for my sins. I believe that you raised him from the dead and that he sits at your right side in heaven. I receive Jesus as my Savior and as my Holy Spirit baptizer. Jesus, I ask you now to extend your hand and fill me to overflowing with the gift of the Holy Spirit and tongues. I receive this wonderful gift by faith, and I thank you for it. Again, I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Now open your mouth and tell God and Jesus that you love them. Don't speak in English or in any language that you know. Just speak the words of the Spirit from your heart by faith. Hebrews 11.6 But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. A famous preacher with a supernatural ministry, Smith Wigglesworth, said, Faith is an act. In receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, the act of faith is opening your mouth and speaking in tongues. I like to say it this way. If you will speak in tongues before you're able to speak in tongues, then you'll be able to speak in tongues. I'm going to repeat that. If you will speak in tongues before you're able to speak in tongues, then you will be able to speak in tongues. In the next episode, we'll talk about how tongues is the gateway to supernatural power in your Christian life. In the meantime, use your new language of unknown tongues often. I want to close with my favorite benediction. Acts 20.32 So now, my brothers and sisters, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Jesus asked in Luke 18.8, When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Friend, if you are not sure if you are saved, you can be sure. You can change or ensure your eternal destiny by repenting. That means turning toward God and declaring it with your mouth. Just pray along with me. I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. He was crucified for my transgressions. He was buried, and God raised him from the dead. Jesus, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just prayed this from your heart, your eternal destiny is in heaven. Awake is an outreach of Bill Backaby Ministries and the Word of Grace Church, a 501c3 organization. Again, our goal here at Awake is to help ensure that Jesus will find faith on the earth when he returns. 
Help us by telling your friends and relatives and neighbors, saved and unsaved, to join us on Awake.